Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Marketing SOS Show. My name is Eric E., and I'm here to be your marketing coach. I'm here to help you in any way I can. Just like I'm going to help Kim this week, who wrote in with one of my favorite subjects. Now, I don't know if I'd call myself a foodie, but I love food. I am obsessed with good food. Even greasy, what someone consider gross fast food, I can always get behind. It's one of my big weaknesses and one of the things I'm very passionate about doing. And that's why I'm so excited to hear from Kim, who has a food blog and YouTube channel with her husband, who's looking for some tips on making it more successful. So get your knife and fork out, and let's dig into this delicious question just after this. Kim writes, Hi Eric, my husband and I run a food blog and YouTube channel and are struggling to get more visitors to our site and views in our videos. We feel overwhelmed with promoting our content on social media only for very little response or engagement. I know that you have had success in these areas in the past, so I was hoping that you might be able to give us some tips on how to get more popular. Sincerely, Kim. Well, Kim, Thank you so much for writing in. And I do have a little bit of experience in the YouTube area and like a blog, website arena. Definitely not in the food arena, which is why I'm excited to uh, bite off this question. Now, uh, forgive me for the stupid pun there, and I'll try not to do them again. But I'm happy to help, and especially when it comes to food. So this is two of my big passions together, food and helping people. So thank you for bringing that together for me, Kim. It's like a dream come true. So a few things off the top that I'm not sure if you're doing, but that you should look at doing is all the videos that you're making, take all the videos and embed them into your recipe pages. Now, why? Why do that? So that way, when Google is looking at your content, it sees that people are landing on your page and spending a lot of time on it before exiting. A visitor may land on your page, start reading all the steps on how to make whatever recipe it is, then they watch the video that's embedded on the page. They're spending two, three minutes watching your whole video. That's increasing your time on page. And Google's gonna like that. They're gonna think that that page that you're serving them matches up well with the keywords that landed them on their website. So that way when future people are looking at that keyword, your site's only gonna start ranking higher for them. And the same thing with YouTube. Not necessarily the same thing for improving their search and rankings, but in your videos, you should have a link in the description to your website, to the recipe, and mention it in the video to get people to go and check out your website as well. Now, for social media, yes, social media can be a slog, for sure. Try to streamline your workflows and repurpose your imagery. Take great recipe pictures for your blog and for your website and crop them and reuse them for Pinterest and Instagram or whatever other channels you're doing, your YouTube thumbnails, Wherever else you're using them, reuse the same stuff. There's no point in reinventing the wheel. Open up the Google Keyword Tool and see how your pages are ranking for different keywords. Look at other long tail keywords and see if you can edit the text on your recipes to try to rank for those. So for example, if you have a recipe like best barbecue chicken recipe and you're ranking so-so for that, but you look at your long tail keywords, which are like best barbecue chicken recipe or best southern barbecue chicken or best memphis style barbecue chicken 
and you're not ranking too well for those, maybe include some of those specific keywords if they fit to your recipe in your pages. So that way when people are not just searching for that high level keyword of best barbecue chicken, but they're looking for like that Southern barbecue or Memphis barbecue, your page will rank higher for those longer tail keywords. Now, one thing I'm sure everyone's tired of me asking and saying, but are you capturing email addresses on your website? Are you promoting the fact that you have an email list in your YouTube videos? If not, you should start to do so. That way when you drop a new YouTube video or a recipe, you can send it out to your list right away. Now on YouTube, the faster your video gets views, the more likely it is to start trending and to get in the suggested video section, which is that right-hand section next to every video. That's where you want to be. You want to get in that suggested video section. You'll get a lot of traffic that way to your videos. So when you upload a new video to YouTube and then send it out to your list, all YouTube sees is a ton of views on this new video. And they think this is something cool. We should put it in front of other people because it's already so popular. You got to play that game and try to game the search engines a little bit on YouTube. Now, ideally for all the recipes that you're doing, have all your social and email pieces lined up before you drop a new recipe instead of putting them together after. There's nothing worse than sitting on a great piece of content and then putting all the pieces together after and waiting to deploy it when you know everyone's going to want it and it's going to be such an interesting piece. Now, if you get overwhelmed with social media, like you're doing the Twitter stuff, the Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, if you're tired of doing all that stuff and you aren't getting a great response, I would encourage you to cut it out and not do it. Now, that may be counterintuitive, but what I really want you to do is focus on what's actually giving you those results and double down on doing them. So if you're spending 50% of your time doing social media and not getting any results on from it, and the other 50% is actually creating these new recipes, and that's where you're actually seeing a response, cut out all the social media, double down and do twice as many recipes and get twice as much response. Now, am I saying that you should never do social media again? No. I'm saying don't get burnt out and don't get discouraged from the social media. Double down on what's working, and then later, when you're feeling up to it, slowly integrate one social channel back in. Don't spread yourself too thin doing every channel under the sun. Pick Instagram or pick Pinterest and master those channels. Do them well. Figure out the ins and outs of each channel, what works, what doesn't. Look at your competitors, see what they're doing, find what's engaging, and master that channel. And then if you have the bandwidth for it, move on to another channel. Now, like I said, mastering the social channels is great, but it is secondary to the content you produce. With websites and YouTube channels, regular, consistent content is the path towards victory. It can be a brutal uphill battle at first, but the way you got to look at it with all this content that you're creating, even if it's not getting a ton of views and engagement right now, you got to look at it like a financial investment. Know that your content can eventually be like compound interest and the benefits of it stack over time. So you put $10 in the bank today, it might not seem like a lot, but that $10 is growing with compound interest month over month, year over year. It's going to pay dividends in the future, especially if you keep adding 10 bucks a month and reinvesting in it, which is what you got to kind of think about with your content. It's compound interest. You got to keep at it. Look at all the content you're producing as long-term investments and not short-term fortune and glory. Now you can also submit your recipes to other bigger sites and try to get links back to your own or create new content for those sites and get links back. This is like guest blogging, I guess guest recipeing, 
Maybe you put something up on allrecipes.com and there's an author section that could link back to you. Something like that. This can also help build your site's reputation and rank and some people may discover you that way. Now like for YouTube, look at local YouTubers near you and see if there's any potential to collaborate and grow your audience. They don't have to be food YouTubers, but who knows, there could be some local influencer or local YouTuber with a big audience that you could invite to cook with you and make it hilarious, make it work for their voice and that their audience is gonna love and that will maybe give some reputation scores and people will find out about you and start following you that way as well. And one thing I'll say too is any comment on YouTube or on your website, respond to them all and nurture that fan base. Yes, YouTube comments can be a cesspool, kind of like the Mose Isley on Tatooine, if you get that Star Wars reference. And the fact that people can be terrible on there. You have to have a thick skin to respond to them all. Or maybe you get someone else to help you respond to all those comments so you don't have to see it, so they don't derail you. But nurture all those ones that are engaging. That, that's how you build fans. It takes a long time. It's a lot of work. But people love being responded to and getting attention. So Kim, thank you for the great question. The fact that I can mix food and helping people and marketing, I love it. And if you want to create any recipes just for me and send me samples of things to eat, I would be very happy to do so. And so the one big takeaway that I kind of had from reading this email is the social exhaustion, which I think a lot of people, especially small business owners, likely feel you can put in all this work for not a whole lot of return. Now, like I mentioned, content can pay dividends as you keep at it. But if there's something that's weighing you down and you feel like you have to do it, but you're not seeing the results like social media, it is okay to stop doing something. It is okay to cut something out and focus on the activities that actually grow your business. And that's what I would encourage you to do. Take a step back and look at what you're working on, what your workload's like, and what is actually driving value to your business. What is actually driving value to your customers? What is actually growing your business? What do you hate doing and what's holding you back? Figure out a way to automate or cut those things. You may feel like you have to do them, but really evaluate whether or not they need to be done. And speaking of done, it's time to wrap this episode up. And if you have a question, it's eric at marketingsos.ca. I'm here to help. I'm here to answer whatever you got. And until next time, have a good one.